Oh, greeting once again, church, to you this morning. We praise God for you. We praise God for his word. We praise God for his faithfulness. Because he is faithful. Amen. I wonder, is there anybody that has a word of encouragement, has a word of testimony to share with us? I know the church is so full, but... uh, be that as it may. We always need a word of encouragement. If you wouldn't just read the scripture, what you found it to be relevant to, to the beginning of the year. This is a new year to you. You have a word. All right, come, come. Share with us. Greetings, uh, Judge. Uh, the word of encouragement I have, I was reading scripture, like, I normally read, like, during the week, and I meditate. Sometimes when I go to town, I take a walk just to, so I can meditate. And while I was meditating, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, when, when like, the, the, the Bible we read is the spoken word. And when he spoke, his perspective was out of this world. So when we read the Bible, we have to leave this world like according to how we picture things. We should seek like him, like his heart, what he meant when he said whatever he said to us. And what I saw is this. Every time when we read the Bible, we look around us instead of like for example that's this is how he showed me he said let's say i'm always like inside the room like in the inside the church every day and then the pastor he knows like the 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 holy heart he knows the space that we have and i don't know that space like we only know it we don't know outside it and it was like the pastor will tell, like he, he will send us a message. Let's say we all living here inside. We only know uh, all the rooms that are inside here. And then he will send a message to us and says, I will extend this building. And we will be like, how come? Like, or maybe he's going to put more rooms inside here. Like, we need to have this mind of knowing that there is another space outside. Even when we read, like, when we read the, his word, I, I don't know if I make sense how I'm confusing you. But he said, like to me, he said, when you read this word, leave this world. Don't come with the mindset of this world. Don't come with a fallen mind, because this is the fallen world. Don't come with a fallen mind. Come with a mind where Jesus is right now, come with the same mind. Where God is right now, come with the same mind. Mm-hmm. And the problem, the, the reason why I had this, it's because my question was, the Pharisees, they couldn't see Jesus. So my question was, what that I can't see right now that God is doing? Because yeah. I know God is doing something. And the problem is, I can't see it. I may read the Bible and blame them. Ah, they were reading scripture, but they couldn't see. But the problem is, we are the same. 
There is something that God is doing today and we can't see it. So, my answer was, when you read my word, leave this world. Don't come with this world perspective. Mentality. Yeah. Morning, church. Um, I hope you are, you are well. Um, you know, like, since uh, I went to the hospital and came out, I never got to share, you know, like, to testify of the Lord goodness, what he did for me, you know. Uh, <clears throat> when, when I always remember, like, how everything happened when I, like, just rewind, um, I saw the hand of God over my life. You know, like, it, I can say that I was dead because I don't remember most of the things but you know, like uh, my brother was telling me that, like whenever the word of God was spoken over me, I would say Amen. But I can't, I can't even remember. And when I was in the hospital, uh, I remember that, like I didn't know I was in, like I was in Newcastle. They transferred me to Newcastle, and I didn't know that I was in Newcastle. And the nurse were asking me who's where I am. I thought I was in Vogo. I don't know why. I thought I was in Vogo. Uh, but I just wanna, I just wanna thank God for what He did for me. And you know, like I got diagnosed with diabetes. I've never had. I've never, like, I, I don't know anything about diabetes, né? but what I know is that Jesus healed every disease. And I'm trusting God that if it never happened before that someone who had diabetes, like, the, like people who say, I, you're going to have this, you're going to have to take medication for the rest of your life. But I don't believe that is true. I don't believe in that. I believe God is going to reveal his glory to me so that I know that he's a healer. And I believe that for me to know what he's a healer, for me to see his word come, becoming flesh, I have to believe. I was, I was reading... I was reading um, it's, it's John 11 when Lazarus died. Uh, and Jesus, Jesus delayed. He was sick. He knew that he was sick, but Jesus didn't come to heal him. And when he comes, when he goes there, he tells the disciples, let's go. Our friend has fallen asleep. And they're like, Ay, Lord, if he's asleep, he's going to wake up. They don't get it, what Jesus is saying. And then he tells them plainly, hey, he is dead. Let's go. So I can, so I can raise him back to life. Mm. And he says, like, he, he is dead, that he wasn't there when he was sick. Because obviously if he was there, he was going to heal him. But then for him to reveal that he is also the resurrection, not just for the future, but for today. And then he goes there, 
And then when Martha comes, uh, she says, if, if Jesus was there, none of this would have happened. So like, what was encouraging to me, it's Jesus telling them like, to open the tomb. And they're like, it's been four days, Lord. And then he turns to them, he says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? If you believe, I, I believe that today, if we believe, if we believe what we're reading, the word of God, when we believe what is spoken over us, we will see the glory of God. We will see the glory of God. That's what I want to encourage you with. Like, if we believe what God says, if we meditate on what God says, and we believe it, we, will, we shall see the glory of God in the land of the living. Amen. 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 Greetings, church, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. <clears throat> I want to read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, 6 to 8. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Amen. This is a command that was given then, and it's a command that stands. Um, I am just reminding us, never ever to forsake the word of God. Never ever to take it lightly. And, okay, let me go to Amos. Okay, Amos chapter 8, verse 11, 11 and 12. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Hmm. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. And when I read the scripture, it took me to Deuteronomy. Why were they commanded? Why are we commanded to read this word when we sit, when we stand, when we walk, when we talk in our home? Why it must always be forever on our foreheads? Why the world must see that. And then I came to Amos that says the days are coming and the days are right here already, not just coming. Where people are looking for the word of God. Where Bibles are not allowed. The ones that can survive that are those who have hidden it in their hearts. The ones that, that are surviving are those that 
that uh, encourage themselves in the word. So let us do that. Let us never forsake the word of God. Amen. Amen. True word. Okay. Here's your paper. All right. Is being studious. Well, uh, church, I just want to acknowledge those testimonies this morning because I believe they just line up with what I'm believing God is saying. Maybe it might come out a little different to how I bring it. Just as God is, uh, knows you as an individual, he has wired us in uh, different ways to see things and understand them. But at the end of the day, all things converge together and they make a beautiful tapestry in which we can put Christ on display. Because at the end of the day, we are his workmanship that is created to put him on display. And uh, I just realized that, uh, you know, reading Acts chapter 12, that uh, the importance of prayer, the importance of uh, concerted prayer, we have Peter, who was, uh, which I didn't mention last week, or just brought it to your attention, as two things that I feel that uh, we should have maybe just uh, took note of, because I was referencing uh, uh, Exodus 12 as a time of Passover and the rituals that uh, followed, and Peter being arrested just before um, Passover and how God would miraculously uh, deliver him. And out of that, I gleaned the understanding that it was one night, I don't know, but I'm just taking it as one night, it could have been more nights, that were given up to pray for Peter's release. I don't know were they praying for his release, were they praying for his protection, but it was a night of great significance in that the people that prayed, I don't believe that anybody had gone to Peter or was able to get to Peter and say, in John Marx's house, they are praying for you. And yet it was in the selfsame house so that uh, when he found himself in the street, that he was released after his, uh, the angels had set him free, that uh, he found himself going to. And it would be the same house where um, he wouldn't even stay. And uh, as uh, I was thinking on it, I'm looking at uh, you know, where miracles take place is where most people will make their abode. 
And yet the word says when they were beginning to be excited about his release, he beckoned with them with his hands and he says, hold still. I want to tell you what the miracle of what just happened. And of course, as I looked at that, there are many things that you can glean out of that Acts chapter 12 of the workings of God that but the similarity to Acts chapter 12 and uh, Exodus 12 is just too remarkable for me to see it as just a story of how Peter was arrested and how then he was released uh, through prayer. That there is a bigger conversation that uh, is being released to us. And I began to understand that prayer needs to return to the church again. Not talking about prayer as an individual in your own home, but prayer that is going to be uh, brought together in the nucleus of the family where we pray for release of those that are in bondage. And just beyond that also, the reality that it was a time of Passover that Peter was also arrested and put into prison and the angel would uh, get him out. You know, when I looked at the two soldiers that were sleeping alongside him, I began to see the shape of a tomb that he was kept in. And then the Bible also says that uh, there was uh, soldiers at the door of the prison I see that as a stone that was rolled at uh, Jesus' tomb. And so I just see that uh, there is a time of resurrection in the church of Jesus Christ right now. And uh, some, uh, I I wrote here that, uh, you know, we need to decide which side are we, you know, if we look at the Exodus, which side are we of the Red Sea? Are we this side of the Red Sea or are we beyond the Red Sea? Because then that will determine what we do next. Are we, if we're this side of the Red Sea, we are confronted with a flooded river and at the back of us we are being chased by the enemy. And yet if we see ourselves beyond the river, we see a new way of living altogether where we have to now begin to trust God for everything that uh, we are going to possess. They are going to a land, but a a land, of course, that uh, at, uh, I think it will be around uh, Exodus 4, 3 or 4, where God would instruct Moses to go and set my people free. God will say to them, for I have a desire to send them to a land that flows with milk and honey. It is a promised land I am sending them to. But the instruction to Pharaoh was, let my people go so that they can take a three days journey that they might worship me. And I'm I'm seeing all these things here. I'm, I'm wondering if the church has lost touch with prayer. I'm talking about fervent prayer. I'm not talking about praying for daily bread. I'm talking about the fervent prayer. The prayer that, uh, that uh, was offered for Peter when he was in prison. 
that they were so locked in in prayer and just believe in God that you are able to do this thing, Lord, that we were saying we will not settle for anything less. When we are so determined to see God at work once again, that we are going to be so locked in in God that even when the answer is staring us in the face, we are still going to believe that there is more to come out of you, Lord. We still need to press in into you because we know that there is more in you. There's more in you that we haven't seen yet. We are supposed to be seeing it being made manifest in our lives. And that is my prayer this morning that uh, we are going to get back uh, to being serious with God. And in our seriousness, our seriousness with God, we are going to see things begin to manifest in our midst. I think we have been gone so, uh, we are so shaken with uh, the, the time that uh, we have been uh, going through. And I, I don't know its longevity, how long it's going to be. But uh, you can still see the amount of fear that is in all of us. There is nobody that can say, well, I am immune to that. I have got so much faith that uh, I can just walk through anything. I think all of us uh, need to take the precautions that are necessary. You don't want to cause the trauma on your life, on your loved ones around you. It is of absolute importance that we take stock of what we are confronted with. Unless God gives you the, the word that I want you to be the one that is going to uh, make a decree and declare that coronavirus is no more. But until then, I believe God is saying, come unto me. That has never stopped. It will not stop until the whole earth is filled with the glory of God as waters cover the sea. Until we see that, we cannot relax. The church cannot afford to relax. We have to come back to being true with God. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I, I want you to know also that uh, there is war that is being declared to the church of Jesus Christ currently. I don't know, maybe you are not aware of it. Maybe you are so locked in into your own personal safety. You don't see what is happening around us. But uh, the name of Jesus is becoming outlawed in every place. Um, and uh, it, is a, it is a funny thing, even those that you thought were well versed in the word of God, how one person will say something and they will all, all be up in arms. Even what uh, our justice, uh, Chief Justice uh, said and uttered concerning Israel and concerning his faith, even some of the church people are taking him to task for saying what he said. And, um, you know, um, I'm still grappling with some of the things because there's a guy that uh, I had an interaction with, you know, a person that I looked up to. And uh, he phoned me. I was on my way to the farm. It, uh, and so he went on and on that because I stopped, you know, to give him courtesy to say what he needed to say. But when he began to touch Israel, that's when I lost my patience. And I began then to tell him what I believe. Because I don't believe we can divorce Israel from the Bible. But some church leaders have decided that uh, 
they will divorce Israel and, uh, and name it as an apartheid state. And I don't see them saying they want their own land in exclusion of anybody else. All they've simply said, this is our land, period. And people are saying uh, the Palestinians have been sidelined. What is said? The Jews are controlling the Palestinians. And I, I don't know. Well, I don't see it that way because I didn't see anybody being controlled when I was in Israel. Everybody does done what they wanted to do. The only thing that they are controlling is those that are coming to kill them. They are Muslims that are in parliament in Israel. So I can't see who's being suppressed in that place except their ideology to eliminate the Jews. So if you are okay to have the Jew eliminated, then maybe you can flow in that way. Personally, I'm struggling to come to that uh, conclusion. And so I am seeing there is a war that uh, we need to then learn how to position ourselves. Because I'm not saying I'm right. I could be very wrong. Maybe the Jews are wrong. Maybe their time of being the representation of God has passed. But uh, I do believe that them, as long as they are outside of Christ, they become irrelevant. But them as a people to claim and uh, remain in the land that God gave to them, that we must now say, okay, they need to get out and then because they've been labeled oppressors and then allow somebody else that wants to kill them, wants to eliminate them. I mean, they've sworn that, that uh, the Jew has got to be eliminated. I think we might just be going beyond what is the realm of reality. That's my personal feeling. That is my personal understanding of Scripture. Because, uh, as I say, Paul makes a big case about uh, do not uh, throw them out because you might just find yourself without a tree that bears you up. And uh, no, somebody else made a, a huge argument that uh, Jesus uh, could not have... Uh, been born Jewish. He was black. So it's just crazy what's going on there. But the declaration to, to the church is that what you believed in, with the Jesus you believed in, is the biggest debate that is going around the earth right now. But um, do we then follow the narrative of the naysayers or do we follow the narrative of Jesus Christ who said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And he said, if you believe in me, you will have that life that I have come to set you on. And he has not excluded anybody in anything. Everybody is welcome to uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so it is difficult to argue with those that are outside of faith in Christ and try to make them to understand what it is to be in faith in Jesus Christ. Except Jesus himself reveals himself to them, they will remain in an argumentative state. But what do we do? Because I think one of the young men here said, even the Pharisees, they were there, they experienced what Jesus was experiencing, but they saw a different world altogether to the disciples, what they saw. 
And the challenge for you and I, what are we going to see in Jesus Christ today? And then, as I say, I see the life of Peter, that he comes to the house where prayer was being made for him, and he tells them of the great deliverance that he was delivered in. And then, and I, this was another thing that I began to see, that the steadfastness of Peter's faith, even though we are not told much about it, I mean, he just simply went and he fell asleep. At the time when you would think he should have been worried, he wasn't worried. It was the people out there that were worried about him. They stayed in prayer, but Peter found rest in that place that he fell asleep. He was waken up by the angel, and you know the story. But what I want to come to is that Peter did not make his abode in the house where prayer was being made for him. Instead, he told him of how he was delivered, and then it says, and then he left that place. And at the, leaving, at the leaving of that place, in other words, leaving things to God to sort them out, because then Herod will wake up the next day or the days following his arrest, and then he would uh, seek for Peter to come now because he had, uh, had uh, uh, Stephen uh, killed. No, not Stephen, James. Oh, my goodness. Mustn't say wrong things now and uh, find myself. Uh, no, man, it was uh, James. James. Herod had had killed. And then Peter then uh, would say, Go and tell James or show James all the things that, that have been done. Please, I want you not to be confused. James was killed the days before, and Peter says, go and tell James. It was not the same James. I wanted to highlight that. It is different. That's why it said uh, that uh, James, the brother of John. So there was a different James, and this James that we are talking about, that Peter said, go and tell him, go and show him the things that has been done. In other words, go and testify of the goodness of God, of how he's delivered me. Uh, James was a brother or half-brother of Jesus who had become the leader in Jerusalem. James stayed in Jerusalem and he became a pivotal part of uh, settling disputes that arose even with the disciples. Even when Peter and Paul had a dispute, it was James who would then put things into alignment. He became an integral part of, uh, of uh, the, for the church that was busy forming at that time. And so just remember that uh, there was, I think there was three James in uh, that uh, worked closely with Jesus at that time. So don't allow yourself to be hooked up on the, the, those that would want to argue. This Bible of yours is confused. This man dies uh, the next day and then a few days later, He's got to be told the story of the great deliverance. So, but also what I want to state is that at the deliverance, and then uh, uh, James, uh, please Peter, having then to leave uh, the place, it began to open God to intervene in the church's situation, because then Herod then will ask for uh, Peter to be brought in. And he finds that there is no Peter. The gates are locked. Everything is in place. But there is no Peter in the prison. And then, of course, the 
prison warders were brought in, it says then uh, he examined them. In other words, he had them scourged and even desired them to be killed. And so there's the continuation of the same. But uh, in that, God allowed Herod to be removed, no longer an obstacle to the church of Jesus Christ. He needed to prove himself as somebody that was against everything that was of Christ, simply because he was hated by the Jews so thoroughly. And so for his killing of James, the Bible says, for he saw that it pleased the Jews, therefore he took Peter. So he was just there to prove his popularity amongst the people that hated him because he was a bad ruler. And so allow that to, to pass. And then let us go to Second um, Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 from verse 3. I can't decide if I must use glasses or throw these things away because they're just a nuisance. Which I believe that we, it's something that uh, we as a church, we need to learn to begin to adopt. Peter then writes, after all the episodes that he has gone through, the denying of Jesus, the, his imprisonment, and uh, all the things that uh, would uh, take place in his own personal life, he comes to this conclusion. He says, according as his divine uh, power had given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust, well, you know, we need to define what lust is. Those things that uh, we are greedy for, those things that uh, we desire beyond what, is what we need. When we want to accumulate things, those are just some of the things. And beside that. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is the spirit of excellence. Virtue is... Uh, a need to do things and do them correctly. And to virtue, we need to add knowledge. And knowledge is that which is experiential. In other words, the things that we would experience when we begin to define or uh, take everything that we do, that we do with, uh, with, uh, with diligence. Then we will be knowledgeable and in our... And, Verse 6, and it says, and to knowledge, temperance. I think temperance, all of, most of us uh, do suffer with. And to temperance, add patience. <laughs> all the things that uh, we need to have in our armory. And to patience, we must add godliness. And to godliness, we must add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, we must add love. Everything will be condensed to love, but love comes from 
when we make a decision. We, we think if we can love everybody, we will be okay. But love comes from a decision. We have to decide we're going to love this or we're going to not like that. But uh, Peter says we must give all diligence. In other words, it's things that we have to work on. They don't just happen. You have to give due diligence to doing the, to these things here. Of course, it starts. it must start with faith because our own uh, power, our own resilience is not to, going to get us the things that, that we need. And verse 8, it says, For if these things be in you and abound, or in other words, and if they grow, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. If you do these things. You know, there's a whole lot of things that we can understand from the Bible. We can quote the Bible. We can uh, um, say a whole lot of things. But if those things that, that we read, that we understand, it does not alter our lifestyle, does not alter the things that we do, how we speak, because our speech gives, uh, gives evidence to who we are on the inside. You know, we can say many things, but uh, find us in a free space, find us in a time when we are relaxed, when we are with our buddies, then the real true me that is not guarded is going to emerge. But if my uh, constitution, my inner man, has been wholly given to the Lord, then uh, my speech will be ordered and in accordance with that. I have heard many people who, I mean, they sing beautifully at, uh, not in this church, not in this church. They, uh, they sing with such holiness that uh, you will think honey drips from their lips, but find them in the street and you'll find vulgar coming out of their mouths. It is simply an act. And I would say, you know, let us not act Christian. Let us rather be the followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ or you are the disciple of Jesus Christ, it simply means you must have studied his ways. You are an emulator of his way. You follow and you say the things that he said. You do the things that he does. Or whatever you find that if Jesus was in the situation, you would be, he would behave in a certain way, so you behave in that way. We are called into into our, our role is defined by Jesus Christ, not the society that is around us, because we can fall foul to every uh, 
devices of the enemy. They are some good things that are not necessarily uh, ordained by God, but on the surface of it, it looks like it is of God. But at the end of the day, we could bring our demise in the things of God. And so I urge you this morning that uh, we learn how to order our steps in accordance with what Christ ordained for us at the foundations of the earth. And I find that even as uh, Paul takes over from Peter, because from uh, chapter 13, Peter now, at least Paul, comes to the fore because Peter has done his job. He has brought down uh, Herod. He has brought down the thing that was a hindrance in the, in the life of the church, that which had gone out to snuff out the life of the church. And uh, Paul comes in, in chapter 13 of Acts 13. Paul comes in. He visits the church, the synagogue. And as the scripture is being read, he's, uh, they finish reading the scripture, and then they send a message to him and Barnabas, and say, brothers, if you have anything to share with the church, say on. And Paul gets up. And you know what he does? He reads the Old Testament. He lays out the Old Testament. And I found it so amazing how every, every step that was taken was all leading to Jesus Christ, right up to John the Baptist. That all things began, you know, it came from different angles, but all things converged to that which was central in the heart of God, that salvation will be brought to mankind. Salvation was played out in the Old Testament in many ways. The sacrifices of animals the temple worship that took place. But in Jesus Christ, all that was done away with because Jesus Christ encompassed all those things. And he put away the sacrifice of animals. He became the perfect sacrifice. Unless we see ourselves as coming back again to the very fundamentals of faith. I know the church has gone some of, sometimes we preach messages that are so far removed from God, that at times we never hear the name of Jesus being mentioned once. But we can preach powerful messages outside of that because we are informed by the, by the Babylonian system. We are informed by the things that are outside of Christ. But the centrality of the Bible is Jesus Christ. He's evidence throughout. And uh, I just... This morning, I just felt I just needed to remind you once again that let's just get back to reality. Let us get back that we cannot survive. We can scheme our ways. We can lie our ways through a whole lot of things. But somewhere along the line, we are going to be drawn back. We are going to fall on our faces. And I pray and hope that we would fall on Jesus Christ once again and really cry out to him, renew us, O oh God. Renew us to that which you have called us to. That's my heart, my personal heart's cry at the moment as I see that the church have found a nice place to say, you know, I'm scared of coronavirus. That's why I don't leave my house anymore. I stay put in my own place. 
But I think also we can overplay that. And we are going to find ourselves that we are outside of God. All our prayer is now, Lord, uh, uh, protect me from the virus. Lord, uh, just build up my business once again. Oh, It's all born out of fear. And yet, when uh, Barnabas and Paul ministered, they found oppositions. Um, I think it's Exodus chapter 3. No, no, no. Not Exodus, sorry. It's uh, Deuteronomy. I, I just found that a little interesting. You know, it's, uh, it's chapter 2. That there are some things that, that we would be going for. And those things will not be coming to us. <laughs> but, uh, okay, let me just read it there. Maybe it might uh, help somebody. It, uh, Deuteronomy 2. Um, Moses, of course, is retelling what happened in the Exodus. Um, verse 30. It says, But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by him. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your hand as appeared this day. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon or Shihon, whatever, and his land before you. Begin to possess that you may inherit his land. Then Sihon came out against us, he and all his people, to fight us at your house. All the other places, there are places that God told Moses, don't touch those people. I have given them uh, their land. It's their inheritance. But uh, this one here, God says to Moses, I'm going to harden his heart. He's not going to just give in. He's going to resist you. Don't worry about his resistance. He's already yours. You're not just going to put him out of the way. You're going to possess everything that he possesses. It is yours. And I've just... The thing that you have been trusting God for, and it's been resisting you, actually it's been confrontational towards you. Unless God says, leave that one alone, pursue it. Amen. Do not give up on that to which you have been trusting God for. Amen. And so, Sihon came out with all his army to confront Moses and the children of Israel. And God said, don't worry about him. I've already given him into your hand. There are some things that God has given into our hands. But because of fear or lack of interaction with God, we have lost hope and thought, ah, oh, well, it, was, it wasn't meant to be. That's been an easy cop out for us. We are no longer making sure. Has God said it? 
Has God denied me this? We just simply take it that, well, if it doesn't come in my time, first time of prayer, if it doesn't come to me, well, God doesn't want me to have it. But sometimes there are things that we need to pursue at all costs. We need to lay ourselves before God, uh, deny ourselves sleep. I think uh, that has been the greatest, I think, drawback in my own personal life. I think sleep has suddenly become more important to me than uh, my time to be in prayer. Those are just some of the habits that I need to break. Yes, we continuously pray, even sometimes when you're asleep, you wake up praying. Maybe those things are getting less and less. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm getting a bit of rust in my brain. But uh, it can be renewed because God renews all things. So I just wanted to encourage you with that, that uh, don't give up. Don't give up on those things that God has placed in your heart as the things that you need to possess. Even when the enemy seems to be coming against you, rather wait for God to say, okay, I want you to move into the next place because that is where now my, uh, I have chosen to place my name on that place. But beyond that, fight for what is rightfully yours. Don't let it go. Amen? Do not just willy-nilly just give up the things that are rightfully yours. There are plenty of things that the church has walked away from because we simply have felt that it wasn't worth the time to invest on. We have left it. We have left that which should have been a blessing to us. Many, many things I see in my own life that had you prayed a little more, had you done a little more, you would be in a better position today. And remember, there are plenty of people that are watching the church, especially in this time. How is the church coping? There are many places that are breaking down, falling down, simply because it's just not worth the trouble to stay in prayer, to stay, to stay focused. But you that are here this morning, Stay focused. Stay focused. Sometimes we want to personally do things to push those things out of the way. I like the behavior of Peter that is just remain steadfast. The people around him, they remain steadfast. And that obstacle of Herod was removed from them. I like Moses that he remained steadfast. He, he he took instructions when God said, Moab, leave them alone. I have given that uh, place to Esau and his descendants. Don't touch them. But one thing that God, God said to Moses, as far as uh, Moab is concerned, he said, when you go through his land, you need to pay for the meat. You need to buy with money. The water that you're going to drink, you must buy with money. Do not take things for granted. Take things for nothing. I do not want you as my body to ever be uh, seen as beggars. Go and buy with money. But only those things that are stubborn, that they're stubbornly opposing you, those things I have not granted, you go and take it by force. Don't give up. Don't give in. Only when God says so, yes, you can say, okay, God, I will take my lead from you. If that's what you want me to do, I will do exactly that.
Amen. All right. Let's, uh, can we have communion? Can, can you see lockdown and makes a guy strong? <laughs> they can handle it one hit. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody that has a need that perhaps we should be praying with you for? If you want to us to pray with you after the service, we are okay with that as well. Well, I promise you I won't spit on you. You can stand far and I'll pray with you. <laughs> no. Yeah. I heard there's a, there's a new one now for, to pass on the, the blessing. The, for you to be thoroughly blessed, the pastor must fart on you. Yeah. Yeah. You must take the perfume and say, mm, smells like the sweet rose of Sharon. But we won't be foolish like that. So, please come to the table and let us trust God as we partake of the Lord's table. Healing will take place in our bodies. Our minds will be renewed. We will see things through the eyes of the Spirit. I think it was Pinda who said, when we pray, we need to not bring the mentality of Babylon, the mentality of our physical eyes. We need to impose the mentality of the Spirit upon the thing. So we're partaking of ordinary uh, biscuits, ordinary wine, but we are going to impose the spirit of the living Savior that through these emblems, things are going to happen supernaturally in our own lives. The things that we have been blinded from, our eyes are going to be unveiled. It is, it is significant. When you partake of the Lord's table, the Bible says you must discern the body of Jesus Christ. You must discern. In other words, you must take serious stock of the meaning and the virtues that flow out of the emblems. It's not just biscuits, it's not just wine. It's more than that. Amen? Please come from the back and just partake of the Lord's table. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, that is our heart's desire, God, that you would breathe upon us today. Father, we need your fresh breath. We need your anointing. The spirit of your grace, my Father, to fall afresh upon us. Revive your church, God. Bring us to that place, Father God, where we worship in spirit and in truth. We saw a glimpse of that this morning, God, and we desire more of you. More of you, God. Even as a declaration went out, we will settle for nothing less. 
And therefore, Father God, we desire to pursue you and find you because in finding you, we will find ourselves. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bless these emblems even as we partake, that newness of life will spring forth in Jesus' name. Amen.